We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from the book of Titus in the New Testament called Healthy, Fruitful Faith. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Fruitful Faith. That's my hope and my prayer for you that you will have a fruitful faith. This morning will be the last message in our series on Titus. But this morning I want to talk about faith. Fruitful or unfruitful? We've just been celebrating the gospel for the last... 30 minutes in song, and the awesomeness of our God. But how does the awesomeness of the gospel come to bear on our real lives in real situations on Tuesday morning at 1035? How does that work? Well, we're going to be talking about that this morning. I was thinking, as I was preparing this message on fruitful faith, Imagine with me that you have a nephew or a niece, and you find out that that nephew or niece would really, 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 really like a bicycle for her birthday. And so you, you know, being that aunt or uncle that you are, you save up, and you, that special niece, you give this child this awesome gift, drop it off on her birthday and you stay for a little while and, uh, and she doesn't know what it is. So she tears through the paper and all of this and she gets to the bike and she's like, this is awesome. And, and she's so excited and her, her face lights up. And then as she's digging through the box, she finds the owner's manual. And for the next 20 minutes, this odd thing happens as she begins to just open the owner's manual and she's so Amazed, and she just keeps reading through this owner's manual, and she's, Auntie, this is so amazing! Look how, what, look at how you change a a, t- a tire if it's if it, if it ruptures, and 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 if we get a flatter. But then, after a while, you know, it's time for cake, and she really hasn't changed. She just keeps looking at the owner's manual, and she turns to the next page and the next page, and she's just so excited to see the pictures of the bike but she's completely oblivious to the bike itself. And this goes on for days and you come back next week and she's still fired up about the owner's manual and there's the bike and now it's in the garage, in the corner of the garage, you know, up on those little hanger things and just out of the way. See, I think the thing you would want to bring up to your niece is that she sort of has missed the purpose. She's excited about the theory of a bicycle, but she's not getting from theory into action. Now that's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we go to God's word. We've been going through Titus, and I believe that God wants us to get from theory on good works into action, from theory into action. See, that's where faith begins to bear fruit. Now, in case we were confused about the theme of the message, I'm going to ask you to turn to Titus chapter 3 with me. Maybe you're new here. This is the first sermon in this series you're hearing. I want to back up for just a minute. I'm going to read these verses. See if you can find kind of what Paul's heart is for the Cretan believers. Chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Then Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are 
zealous for good works. Chapter three, verse one, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Verse eight, this saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And now for the passage we're in this morning, verse 14, he says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. What is the theme of Titus, the major thread that is going through under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? It is at least one of the major themes. Obviously, it's also talking about faith. As we get to the end of this series and we're finishing this up, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes one more time to circle back and with an imperative, tell Titus to tell the Cretan churches to focus on good works. It's like Paul was saying, you ever, you know, like when you're talking to your parents about something and they want you just to remember one more time, make sure you don't play with the stove while I'm gone. And they've already said it four times, but they're saying it one more time. Well, there's a reason why this is in the text. And maybe you're asking, why do good works matter? Why do good works matter? Well, hear me when I say this. God wants you to have a fruitful faith filled with good works. But maybe you're still asking, well, why is it so important though? Why is it so important to my faith in particular? I want to give you three quick reasons why good works are so important. Here's the first one. If you have a pen, good works are an evidence of personal faith. Good works, biblical good works, are an evidence of personal faith. John chapter 15, verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Part of the proving that I am a follower of Jesus Christ in an external way is by the good works that I do, the fruitful good works that I do. You know, and if, if someone were to look at my life and they weren't to be able to tell if I'm a believer or not, because I really act in ways that are inconsistent with a Christian faith, that ought to make me do a little bit of self-examination. Am I a believer? But good works are one way that we give evidence of personal faith. Think of it this way. Good works are an external evidence of an internal reality. Well, I know that Valentine's Day is coming up. I know from time to time there are people in our church that have dated and then gotten married and it's always a joyous thing. But just imagine with me a couple that they've been dating for five years and they go out to dinner on Valentine's Day and over a beautiful dinner, the guy looks into her eyes and he says, I love you so much, babe. And she pulls back for a minute. It's been five years. And she says, so what's the evidence of that love? There's this thing called a ring, an external reality that says something about the state of that love you, babe. Okay? There's a external reality and God wants our lives to overflow with external realities of an internal faith and love for him. Just as this man's love needs to become visible, so our faith needs to become visible. And what is the result of that 
joy. Sometimes believers wonder, why do I not feel more joy among other believers? Why am I not excited to be with other people? Well, think about this. How do churches grow in joy? They grow in joy by serving one another. In fact, you can write this down. Second of all, good works are an accelerator of mutual joy. That's true in a marriage. That's true uh, in a family. And it's most certainly true among believers. Good works are an accelerator to joy. When I've been served by someone in my church, I'm blessed by them. I experience joy. When I have the privilege of serving someone else in my church family, I experience joy. There is a bonding, a... Now I want to take this to yet another level. Scripture says here in verse 14 that we are to learn to devote ourselves And as you're learning, as you're growing in God's word, as you're studying God's word in small group, in your personal time in God's word, in our time together in God's word, here's a question I have for you. Are you becoming a bubbling brook or a dead sea? Because you see, as God's word is poured into your life, as other people are pouring grace into your life, most importantly, as God is pouring his grace into your life through his word, through community, through prayer, through humility, as God is pouring things into your life, if you just sit there and go, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome, what happens is it becomes all about you and you become the Dead Sea, which is everything is coming in, nothing is going out. Now, that's not the great picture of sanctification. The picture of sanctification that is more accurate is not the Dead Sea, but a bubbling brook. Notice that a bubbling brook, things are coming in, things are going out. And that is the picture of what we are to be as believers. As God is pouring his grace into us, it goes through us and into the lives of others. And as we begin to serve them, we get joy, which then brings us back. We need more. I need more of God's grace. So then I can pour into others and bless them. And it becomes, what happens is your sanctification process gets accelerated. But maybe you find yourself in this place. You, you feel like your walk with the Lord is getting a little stale, I don't feel like I'm really going anywhere. And I, I mean, I'm not even really happy with your sermon, Pastor Luke. I can tell it's going to be another dud. It's just going to be another dud. Well, it's only 35 minutes now that I have to tolerate this. I've been there before. I've been there not too long ago. And the thing that usually happens at that time is that I realize I'm not giving in this relationship. I'm only getting. Giving is the way we grow with other believers and experience joy. And you can write this down. Good works intensify our growth within sanctification. The people that are growing most are the people that are giving most in good works. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. One of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis. And these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. That sounds really good. Maybe you're thinking, well, pastor, could you define good works? What do you really have in mind? What is scripture saying when it's talking about good works? Now, clearly in chapter two, there's an emphasis on the home and on interrelationships within the church, that there's a certain level of good works, of being kind to one another, having self-control. Let me give you quickly seven types of good works. This is not exhaustive for sure. 
but types of good works that scripture is referring to. The first one is serving, serving one another. Uh, That can be defined so many different ways. Then second of all, uh, Galatians 5 talks about the works of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit in contrast to works of the flesh. It says the works of the flesh are all kinds of nasty stuff. In contrast to that is the fruit of the spirit or the works of the spirit, the works that are empowered by the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. How about more of that at home? Patience is a work of the spirit. It's not my favorite one, but it is one. Here's a third type of good works. It's bearing the burdens of others. When I come alongside someone who is bearing a burden, sometimes it's even a good work to share your burden because some people, I can bear burdens, but I don't share my burdens. Well, that's really going to keep you from experiencing the joy of mutual ministry when you're always serving but never allowing yourself to be transparent. Here's a fourth good work, pursuing, restoring, and praying for the wanderer. Galatians 6 talks about this. That blesses the heart of God. The heart of God is to go after the one, to leave the 99 and go after the one. Here's another way, a fifth way that we can do good works, biblical good works. It's loving actions in parenting or in marriage or in your neighborhood and in sharing your faith. Sometimes we think of good works, well, that's got to be in the context of the church because that's what we're talking about. No, 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 no. The good works you did in getting up with that six-month-old and loving on that six-month-old when you've had 4.3 hours of sleep and you're head is hurting and your heart is exhausted and you feel like a zombie, that is a good work. That is a gracious good work. Loving your neighbors, learning to care for the people that live around you, whoever that neighbor is or at work or in school or wherever you're at. Here's yet another one. Sharing with those in need. We're going to talk more about this. This is going to be a ministry we're developing this coming year. Scripture says a ton, and I've been doing some study on this, on caring for the widows and the orphans. God throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, has a great heart for those who are hurting. All of the religions focus on the powerful and the gods were always empowering the powerful to be more powerful and exert themselves. But God, the God we serve is so much different. He empowers the weak. He identifies with the weak and confronts the powerful when they are not serving the weak, the vulnerable. James chapter one talks about that. I'm so excited this coming year to be building up a ministry within our church that we've been wanting to do over the last year to care for those in our church, especially widows in our church family. Here's the last one, good work, comforting the brokenhearted. Taking time to, may not feel like a good work, especially if you're more of a task person. I like to do things for people, not necessarily be a people people. And maybe it's hard for you to think of that actually it's a good work to sit with them on the couch and put your arm around them and say, I'm sorry you're hurting. Sorry, I can't fix it. I can't really do anything about it, which makes me even feel worse. But I just want you to know that I love you and that I'm here with you. That's a hugely important good work. Well, The question then naturally comes out of this. How do we enable good works in our lives? How do we live out these good works? How do we learn good works as verse 14 is asking us to do? Well, here's the question I have for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for good works? Are you ready for good works? 
There's two ways we're going to see this right here in the text. Again, today we're focusing on good works out of theory and into action. Out of theory and into action. There's two ways that we can ready ourselves. One is preparation. The other is practice. Go back to the text with me here. Uh, Verse 12 Unlike the previous verses we've been reading about, we're going to get a little bit of a glimpse into the real, uh, real-time realities that Paul and Titus are living in. Verse 12 says, And when I, Paul, send Artemis or Tychicus, Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Even Paul himself knew there were certain places to spend winter and there were certain places not to. Just saying, a little bit of a quiz here. If you love this, uh, we'll take a little poll here. Sometimes maybe we, we can skip past these verses and forget how this is realities. Titus is really on an island waiting for direction on what next. Note if you notice in the text, he says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me. So what basically Paul is saying is, listen, you need to finish up and wrap up what you're doing on Crete from getting elders ready to addressing certain issues to empowering good works or or teaching on good works because I'm expecting you to come my way. Now, question, which person do you think came to relieve Titus? Artemis or Tychicus? Well, actually, the answer is in scripture. If you turn the page to the left to 2 Timothy. Now, 1 Timothy and Titus were written about the same time, but then 2 Timothy was written later as Paul was about to be martyred. He's in his second imprisonment, as we uh, believe. If you notice in chapter 4, verse 10, it says, for Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Now, Dalmatia is modern-day Croatia, so it's farther north. Now, what we can gather from this is that Titus did make it to winter with Paul and then moved up and did a new ministry initiative that Paul probably already had in mind when he was writing the book of Titus, and, and Titus went up there. But if you look down at verse 12, it says, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Um, it was probably Artemis. And we don't hear about him again in scripture, but almost certainly Artemis was the one that came down, relieved Titus. Titus went up to Nicopolis, met with Paul. Uh, Now, if you're wondering where that city is, uh, the word Nicopolis uh, is from the word Nico or Nika. Nico meaning victory and polos meaning city of victory. Uh, Nicopolis is the word uh, we get our word Nike from. Nike means victory. So all of you are wearing those victory shoes today. Congratulations. Here's an interesting thing. Why was it named Nicopolis? A little bit of background history. Uh, Nicopolis, there were seven of these cities, but almost certainly this is the one, is in northwest Greece, right across uh, the Adriatic Sea uh, from the boot or the heel of Italy. So it was right across there. There was a little area there, and they had a very famous battle. In fact, one of the most famous battles in all of Roman history, where the Roman uh, Republic really became the Roman Empire. And uh, after Julius Caesar, there was some conflict and if you, uh, I'm trying to ask you to remember what you were studying in ninth grade Greek history. Some of you are like, please move on, please move on. I won't yet. A man named Octavian, who became Augustus Caesar, who was the Caesar when Jesus was born, 
Um, Octavian had a battle against a man named Mark Antony and another very famous person, Cleopatra. And right at that location where Paul was going to be wintering or taking a, a time to kind of recalibrate and, and train Titus for the next mission, the 100 years before Paul was there, these, they had a massive battle and Octavian won. That was the end of Mark Antony and the end of Cleopatra following out of that battle. And uh, they named it Nicopolis, City of Victory. Well, he went on, as you know, Octavian became Caesar Augustus. He be, uh, ushered in the Pax Romana. And so this is where Paul is going. He's spending this time uh, in this city. And what he's telling Titus is, and this is where I want you to think application for a moment. He's telling him, Titus, I'm going to be sending Artemis to you. Well, he didn't say Artemis. He said Artemis or Tychicus. I'm going to be sending them to you. And I want you to be ready to quickly move because ships didn't move well during winter. And I want you to be ready. Well, if you're going to be ready, you need to be prepared. And if you're going to be prepared, you need to have good time management. And I want to put that into your world for a minute. Some of us are so busy, busy, busy. Life is always coming at us 100 miles an hour. And so many things that I'm doing and I got to get this done. That what happens is we get so consumed with our lives that we don't have time for good works. We don't have time to be used by God. You know, how many times have I been so busy working on a project for God that the work of God that was happening right next to me, I'm like, God, I don't have time for that. And maybe that was the big opportunity God had for me that day and the spear was opening up a ministry opportunity, but I was so busy with my life that my time management clipped an opportunity that the spirit wanted to use. I think the message from this that Titus was needing to absorb is, Titus, don't try to do everything. Do the necessary things. Get elders in place. Get leaders in place. And get ready for your next mission. The next set of good works that God has for you. Look with me at verse 13. Here's the second aspect of being ready for good works. Paul says, do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Now, unlike the preparation for a new season of ministry that was coming for Titus, this was an immediate opportunity. If you look at verse 14, it says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. This need was standing right in front of him. Almost certainly, uh, Zenos and uh, Apollos were present. They were the ones delivering the letter to Titus. You ever had somebody show up at your door and you're really not wondering whether it's time for ministry? The ministry is standing right in front of you. Would you like to come inside my house? Would you like to stay with us? What they were going to need is they were going to need money, perhaps for their trip. They were going to probably need a fresh set of clothes or a laundromat if they had those. Uh, they were going to need some hospitality for a few days to kind of settle into the next ship. Probably went down to Alexandria. That's where Apollos was from. That would be modern day Egypt, which is south of there. Sometimes needs are in the future. Sometimes needs are standing right in front of us. Now here's the lesson for us. Sometimes, and if you're like me, you're always looking to the future. And sometimes we have these ways that we would like to serve God. God, I would like to serve you in this ministry. I would like to reach these types of people or this type of a scenario. And what God is saying to us is that's good. Maybe someday we have to leave that in God's hands. But here's what I want you doing right now. I want you to practice, Luke. I want you to practice on what's right in front of you. 
And maybe you're in that place and you're thinking of something you would like to God to do through you or you're like thinking of a ministry you wish you could be involved in and maybe we don't even have that ministry in our church yet or, or you're wishing for certain opportunities. Man, I wish I was married. I wish I had kids. I wish I could care for my kids. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And what God is saying is maybe someday, but right now, practice on what's right in front of you. And what Paul is saying to Titus is, you get those Christian believers fired up about what's right in front of their faces and practice on that. I find that often it's the believers that take the opportunities in front of them, that God uses them for bigger things because they practiced on the little things. And they're open and they're spirit-led and they're willing to set aside their structure and do whatever God has brought in front of them. And it's amazing how God uses faithfulness in the little things to open up the bigger things we want. Are you ready? Are you ready for good works? Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.